Okay, we have a new hymn. It's hymn 171. It's the hymn, Holy God, We Praise Your Name. It's considered a Trinity hymn. Holy God, we praise your name. Holy God, we praise your name. Lord of all, we bow before you. All on earth your scepter claim. All on earth your scepter claim. All in heaven above adore you. All in heaven above adore you. Infinite your vast domain. Infinite your vast domain. Everlasting is your reign. Everlasting is your reign. So it refers to the holy God. Holy God, we praise your name. What does it mean to be holy? Are we Karen? Perfect would be a part of that, I would say. Usually when we talk about ourselves, we not talk, holy. Huh? Not holy. Not holy, right. I'm sorry. <laughs> you are correct. Um, when we apply that designation to those who are believers in Christ, holy as in a saint, uh, is someone whose sins are forgiven. Um, this is God who is of himself, of his essence, is holy. Usually when we speak of ourselves, we speak of the attributes of being, go of, of being holy, you might say. God uh, there is no distinction between, you cannot separate his being holy from who he is. And so we don't say that he's just acts loving, therefore he is love. We say God is love. There is no distinction. So here, uh, God is holy. In fact, we often refer to him as holy, 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 uh, referring to the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy God, the only the one holy God. We praise your name. What does it mean to praise God's name? Yeah, is it just to say his name a bunch of times? Would that no, praise him? No, just say it one time. Hmm. What about this name? I think that's a good start, but I think there's got to be more to it. What does it mean to praise his name? Liam? Okay, so you're connecting his name with who he is. So if we're going to praise his name, we're going to talk about God himself. So the name and the person going together. Say it again. Yeah, yeah. To recognize his goodness to and all his attributes, I guess. I <laughs> but <laughs> goodness not Well, we can't touch it. Yeah, how are we going to do that? How do you do that? How are we, how are we going to praise Thanksgiving? Fear, love, and trust in his name above all things. Okay. First of all, by fear, faith, 
what we're talking about, fear, love, and trust, faith in God by trusting in him, the one who has, what has he done so that I want to fear, love, and trust in him? Yes, he did all of that. Um, we talk about that as his revelation. He revealed himself. Everything then becomes revealed in the name, because the name says who he is. It tells us about him. Who is he? I am, I was, I will be. I am who I am. He reveals himself as Savior. He reveals himself as the creator, the one who creates. He reveals... It is his revelation. So if we're going to praise his name, we're going to talk about Liam's right. We're going to talk about who he is. We're going to talk about the things that he's done. We're going to praise the revelation of himself. His name includes all that he has revealed to us. Holy God, we praise your name. So we'll talk about those things. We do that kind of thing in the glory and excelsis. Uh, we speak about what he has done for us, and in that way, is the highest praise of God. Um, Lord of all, we bow before you. What about this bowing? What's this bowing? What do you do if you bow to someone? Ah, Mark? You acknowledge that they are Lord over you. Okay, there's an acknowledgement of who they are. And thus, it makes you the servant, and them the master. And them the master. Um, when you come up to Lord's Supper, the pastor bows. He is there to serve. He is there to serve God's creatures. He is there to serve. Now, he's been given his orders from the Heavenly Father that he might be a minister of, of the Word and the sacrament. Uh, but he is there as a, uh, a servant of all who are the priests of God. So, Lord of all, we bow before you. All on earth your scepter claim. Uh, the scepter is the kingship, and so uh, you have to go forward and touch the scepter to acknowledge him who is ahead. Uh, 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 all in heaven above, adore, adore you. Adore you includes a love, a worship, a, a, a magnify, recognize him for who he is. It, it includes all of that. Um, his domain, you would say, extends. I don't, I don't think the, the poetry of this, and uh, it, it tends to say that the creation that God has made is somehow infinite, but that there is no limit to his domain. He is infinite. He is overall. There's no place that he is not over. And so, as it speaks of this uh, infinite, your vast domain, everlasting. Well, if we're talking about place, then we also say about time. Everlasting is your reign. Uh, it, it will never be overcome by someone else. Um, is he I, talking about the church? Um, I don't, I'm lost. I, I, I must say I think, because I, I don't know in particular with this. I'm assuming that this is an old way of speaking in which the acknowledgement of the one who holds the scepter, scepter um, 
That's the way I interpret it. Mark? Uh, this reminds me of, um, remember, uh, the king extends his scepter to you, you live. Okay? Right. And, and, and this is us claiming that scepter, and you know, we, we latch on to your forgiveness. Right. And, but it's the church, right, not us. all on earth. That's right. a well, yeah. I mean, ultimately, they're all going to have to bow before. They're all going to have yeah. to acknowledge him who is the creator of all. But you're right, and the church is the only place in which this kind of goes forward. You know, you have the, the queen. Esther. Esther, who comes forward, you know, and unless she touches the claim, you know, admits his claim of being king, which includes him offering the scepter. Um, I, 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 I don't know if there's anything more to that. I may have to look that up a bit and see. Okay. Thank you. Holy God, we praise your name. Lord of all, we bow before you. All on earth your scepter claim. All in heaven above adore you. Infinite your vast domain. Everlasting is your name. For Good. We're in the catechism. We're in the table of duties. We have done uh, the estate of the church, which is the pastors and the hearers. We have spoken about the estate of the government, which includes the rulers, the authorities, and the citizens. Uh, now we are in the third estate, which deals with the home. And so we're going to deal with husbands and wives, with parents and children. First, we'll deal with Husbands, two husbands. Repeat after me. Husbands, in the same way, husbands in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Be considerate as you live with your wives. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate. And treat them with respect. And treat them with respect. As the weaker partner. As the weaker partner. As heirs with you. As heirs with you. Of the gracious gift of life. Of the gracious gift of life. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. First Peter three, verse seven. First Peter three, verse seven. All right, so if we're talking about the third estate, uh, right and primary in this third estate, uh, we would say the normal state of affairs is that there might be marriage. We're going back to God's gift of marriage, that which he is protecting by means of the sixth commandment, not only for the benefit of husband and wives, but also for the benefit of the fruit that comes from husband and wives in marriage, which would be for children. And so, as we begin here, we're going to be talking about the husband. 
In the scriptures, it speaks about the husband as the head of the wife. Um, when it speaks of head, we need to have a biblical definition for this. It normally is misunderstood to be, this is the boss man, this is the one who tells everybody what to do, and so by saying that the husband is the head of the wife, this is so that he might boss her around and tell her what to do. That is not the way the scriptures use the term. When the scriptures speak of Christ as the husband and the church as his wife, saying Christ will be the head of the church, hmm, what kind of head is he? Is he one who comes down from heaven telling the church what to do? Hmm. He comes down from heaven not to make her serve him. He comes down to what? To not to be served, to do the serving. but to do the serving. Yes. And so the head is the one who goes first. It is the one who serves. Does he come down in order to force her to do things, or does he come down that he might love her? Yes. Does he, make, does he say, oh, I'll love, does Jesus say, oh, I'll love anybody that loves me? No. Or does he love first? Sure. Yes. He loves us first. He comes down loving us even while we are yet sinners that he might die for us, that he might preach to us, that we might come to believe. There will be those that won't. But this is the one who goes first. I think maybe I've used the example earlier, but if I'm going to walk on over to that door over there, it is the head that says, okay, we're going to go over there, and then the body follows after. So this which is the head, the one who is serving, the husband who is serving his wife, who is loving his wife, who is uh, providing for, and you might say for doing all things, is the one who leads, leads not, you know, uh, by, by force, but one who goes forth, loves for first so that she might love in return. He serves her and she serves in return. So the husbands are to do what? They are to be considerate. What are they to consider? Be considerate. Well, obviously, husband and wives are living together. They leave their father and mother, and they join themselves to each other within, the, uh, within marriage. They are to live with their wives, but husbands are to be considerate. What are they to consider? Feelings. What? Feelings. Their feelings? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. What else? <laughs> what else? Their needs. Their needs? What else, Liam? The relationship. The relationship that they have? Okay. What else? That they're sinners. They ought to consider that they too are sinners. Husbands know they are. Well, they also know that their wives are too. And consider the forgiveness also. And consider the forgiveness that's been shown to them that they also might be the one who is forgiving towards them. that they are the weaker partner. That's what Paul says. What about this? Um, he has 
uh, explain this by the order of creation. The order of creation is the husband was made first, the, the woman was made second. In another place, he explains this weaker partner as she is the one who was deceived by the devil first and then uh, him. And so putting it in this way, he says, listen, you are being given to be the one who is to provide and to take care. Did Adam do that in the garden? Did he consider his wife as the weaker partner? No. No. He stood beside her and said, yeah, go ahead and talk to the serpent. And after what? She took, what did he do? Well, okay, you give to me and I'll take two. He was not doing his job. Um, so yes, there ought to be a consideration of those uh, things. Um, one of the ways in which, and I, I don't have a scriptural basis for this, um, but I have heard and it seemed to ring, uh, seemed to ring true that the man is that the man is like a Model T Ford. It comes in one color. It's got four wheels and an engine. It works and it's pretty simple. The woman is the luxury vehicle that has power windows and all kinds of stuff. It is very complex. Um, why? Not only does it function as that, but it also gives birth to children. It provides in so many different ways. But because of that, <laughs> what happens? The husband is the one who is supposed to provide and to take care of that which is, well, weaker. It has more things. It has more that is done. It is that who is to give birth to children, is to provide for children, is to do for that. He is to come and to, you might say, because he uh, has that, is to be that which is stronger. Um, seems to somewhat ring uh, if, if, if you want to push your analogy to the point of no return, women are higher maintenance. <laughs> you didn't say that, did you? Did I say that? No. But in the next verse, and Luke, we're going to go further, and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Everyone? And as heirs when it comes to salvation, when it comes to being saved, they are an heir with you. They are put together with you. There is no order in the order of salvation uh, of, of being saved. They work side by side. They are a helpmate with you working together. And so we say, uh, um, when it comes to in this world, yeah, God sets things up with a government, with a citizen, with a husband, with a wife, with the, all kinds of things. In the next world, we are all sons of God. The scriptures, in fact, always speak that way, that everyone that believes, he doesn't say sons and daughters as if there's a distinction, or you know, but they are all sons. And so they are an heir with you of the gracious gift of life. The last part says, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. As the husband, you are to lead your family in prayers. You are to be, you would say, the pastor of your little congregation at home. 
um, that has been given to you, uh, that you too might, well, what happens? You pray for your family. You pray for those that are there. You bring them so that they might hear the word of God. That also is uh, to be a provision for husbands. Next passage. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. And do not be harsh with them. And do not be harsh with them. Colossians 3, verse 19. Colossians 3, verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. The word love is a verb. That means the husbands are to do what? Actions. That is given to them to do. They are to love. And they are to do it first. Husbands, love your wives. Why do the scriptures say to the husband, don't be harsh? Because husbands tend to be harsh. Why is that? Um, with their muscles, we're going to force it. If it's not there, we're going to use more force until it happens. Um, that's the concern. Is that the way they are to deal with their wives? Being harsh. Karen, and then... It is a misuse. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, nope. He forgot. So, um, in this way, what are husbands to do? They are to be gentle. They are to see the distinction between that. Um, uh, a man among other men, eh, they'll be rough. They'll be harsh. They don't care. Um, Cecil says, consider the feelings of those. Um, when I'm with uh, 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 Jonathan and he, you know, we're putting together the uh, playground and he does something wrong, I say, what, you dummy, what did you do? You know, do I, am I concerned about his feelings? He's a man, he died, you know. Um, be considerate. Consider that. Uh, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Within this gift of marriage, we talk of husbands and wives. Uh, God in the scriptures talks about uh, uh, chastity. He talks about faithfulness, uh, pureness. He has provided um, within the marriage that there might be a faithfulness that comes, that there might be a marital pureness in which you say, within the, the marriage, uh, therefore it might be God-pleasing that each man has a wife and each wife has a man, and thus they live together. The husband, as we say here, this is the first duty. We'll be talking about the wife then, uh, the next Wednesday, uh, as we talk about the response uh, to to the husbands. Questions? Okay. The Bible passage is John 16, verse 33. Repeat after me. These things I have spoken to you, 
That in me you may have peace. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. These things I have In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We'll look at that passage as we get to tonight's reading. Questions? Light the candles, we'll begin. Please stand. O oh Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Make haste, O oh God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ. Hallelujah. You may be seated. The reading is on the back of the bulletin, and then we'll use the Easter responsory on page 227. John 16, verse 23 through 33. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now... You have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language. But the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language. But I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said to him, See, now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things, and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. 
These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. This is God's word. Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death has no more dominion over him. The life he lives, he lives to God. Alleluia, alleluia. He was delivered for our offenses. He was raised again for our justification. Death has no more dominion over him. The life he lives, he lives to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Death has no more dominion over him. The life he lives, he lives to God. Alleluia, alleluia. The hymn is hymn 171. God, we praise your name. Lord of all, we bow before you. All on earth your scepter claim. All in heaven above adore you. Infinite your past domain. Everlasting is your name. Hark the glad celestial hymn. Angel choirs above are raising. Cherubim and seraphim. In unceasing chorus praising. Build our hands with sweet accord. Holy, holy, holy Lord. Load the apostolic train. Join your sacred name to hallow. Prophets swell the glad refrain. And the white robe martyrs follow, and from morn to set of sun, through the church the song goes on. You are King of glory, Christ, Son of God, yet born of Mary. For us sinners sacrificed As to death a tributary First to break the bars of death You have opened heaven to faith 
into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. I've got four things listed there. First says, I came forth from the Father. I came forth from the Father. These words are showing Jesus' origin. It is telling us that he is not from as in going from one place to another place, but to be from the Father means that he is of the same substance as the Father. What is his origin? The Father. He proceeds from the Father. He comes out from the Father. That is, he's the Son of God. He's divine. For the Father is divine, and if he came forth from the Father, well, how from the Father? He must be divine. And so first of all, he wants them to know who he is. He is true God, who has always been from eternity. Um, sometimes we say begotten from eternity. Not birth as having a beginning, but begotten as in having an origin, where he comes from. So, I came forth from the Father, showing his origin. Second, and have come into the world. What is that teaching us? He has come into the world. He's become part of creation for us. He did. True He's true man. What did he do? He came into the world. Now, we're not talking once again about that. We're talking about him having a birth. We're talking about him being conceived. We're talking about him who is true. God said, I came into the world to be a part of this creation. He took on human flesh. He became man. He is true God and true man. So, I came forth from the Father, and I have come into the world. That's what they saw. When they looked at him, they did not see the divinity though he was true God and true man, they saw him looking like any other man. So I came forth from God. I have come into the world. He says, and again, I leave the world. What is the leaving of the world? Talking about his death. Talking about his death, his suffering and death for us. And go to the Father. This is his accomplishing of the salvation, becoming the way, the truth, and the life for us, paving the way back, accomplishing all that needs. In other words, we were sent forth from the Garden of Eden. We were separated from the Father. Now he says, I am going back. I am bringing you back with me to the Father. I'm going to the Father. So, true God, true man, his work for us, and this accomplishment for us in this coming back to the Father. 
And so he speaks of these things. When he said, verse 28, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world, and again I leave the Father and go to the world. Did they know what he was talking about? <laughs> this is Monday, Thursday, right? Um, do you? It's very significant to saying, again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Right. I'm telling you, and again, I'll tell you again, here's who I am, here's what I'm doing and what I'm accomplishing for you. Like he's told them 15 times before. He, yes, exactly. Exactly, he has told them before. Now, we already know. He's been telling them what? I'm going away. They were sorrowful. They were sad. They didn't know he was, they thought he was being abandoned. What is this that is going on? And, and he tells them, he tries to comfort them. Um, he tells them, in a, in a little while. So he's telling them. Luke, you got something? Yes, they are. They are acting like that. But you know, we've got the benefit. We look back and we go, well, of course, that makes perfect sense what he said. When they're looking forward, when Jesus says he's going to suffer and die, they're like, well, then you can't do the stuff that I thought you were going to do. And so, well, maybe you don't mean that. Well, then maybe you don't. You know, I mean, you're right. And sometimes they're so upset about, oh, you're going away, they don't, they don't hear anything about that. Um, I've been in the doctor's room that when the doctor uses the word cancer, the eyes roll back and the person that's sitting there doesn't hear anything else that is said after that. Um, and so we walk away and, and what did he say? I've got cancer and I'm gonna die. No, he didn't say that. What did he say? He said, well, in order to make sure there's not cancer, we're gonna do this test. You know, or whatever, and so you listen to the rest of what is being said. Jesus is trying to comfort them. He's trying to tell them concerning this. And when he's trying to comfort them, he begins with this. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. In that day, you will ask me nothing. Hmm. In that day. When, when is that day? Jesus is telling them about in that day. He's trying to comfort them. In that day, when is it? When is it going to be? I guess, in Pentecost. Hmm. So, it could be from the giving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost that there's going to be in that day, you might say, not 24 hours, but in that day, in that time period, in that which follows the time of the church, is that the period in which we're going, you will ask him, you will ask him nothing. Um, hmm. So, when we pray, who do we talk to? God. Do we ask him for stuff? <laughs> yep. We ask him for forgiveness. We ask him for daily bread. We ask him that his kingdom comes. We ask him to deliver us from evil. We ask him, ooh, we're still asking him stuff. Um, hmm. Huh? I guess my answer is wrong. Well, how about... Augustine, he said, well, I think it has to be the heavenly uh, rule. It has to be heaven itself. Because once you get to heaven, are you going to have to ask God for anything? 
Are you going to need food? You're going to need, you're going to need. Ah, see there, you're not going to ask him for anything. How about heaven? So, a little bit later, Jesus says, Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask! And you will receive. So on the one hand, Jesus says, You're not going to need to ask me anything. And then in the next very words, he says, Ask! Start asking for stuff. He wants us to pray. So which is it? Are we supposed to ask him for stuff, or are we... Not supposed to. Yeah, we're going to pray. We're going to ask the Father in Jesus' name. Is that a distinction you think, Jonathan, between asking the Father and asking Jesus? Could be. And yet, well, pray to God the Father, God the Son, God. I. We have a prayer to God the Holy Spirit from Pentecost. He is. We have a God who, who, it's not that God's up in heaven going, gee, I just don't know what to get them. <laughs> and then when you, you know, give him your birthday list, then all of a sudden he goes, ah, oh, now I know what to give you. I didn't know you needed daily bread. Does God know what we need? Well, of course he does. Um, and is he a loving God who provides for us? Yes, even before we ask. Um, and yet he tells us that he wants us to pray. He wants us to ask him. The disciples are at a point in which they don't understand everything, and that's okay. He wants to make sure that they understand some things, and so he wants them to know that he is true God, that he has come forth from the Father. Do you know this? And at one point he, they, they finally say, now we know that you came forth from God. Now we know. He wants them to know that he is going to do this for their benefit, this, this work that he's going to do. They don't know exactly how this is going to be, although he has told them, but they don't really get it all. And Jesus at, at one point says, you're, you're not going to understand right now, but later you will understand. Karin, later in that day, you won't have to ask me questions. Because when that day comes, you will know. That day is the day of Pentecost. You are absolutely right. From the day of Pentecost on, are the apostles, do they know why Jesus suffers? Do they know why he died? Do they know that it's according to the scriptures? Do, you know, who gets up at Pentecost and preaches the sermon? Peter. Peter. Wow. He gets it. They know then. At this point, they don't have to ask him, what's this all about? Where are you going? Why are you going? What's this? All? They know. At that point, you don't have to ask me. In fact, at that point, though, Jonathan, what happens? Jesus suffered, dies, rises again. For 40 days, he appears to them bodily. But after 40 days, he raises his body up into heaven until it disappears. And at that point... He's not around for them to ask him bodily, hey, Jesus, what's going on? At this point, he promises to send the Holy Spirit at Pentecost so that they will know. Huh. You guys know. I went through the four things, and you said, yeah, that's what that is. That's what that is. That, how do you know all this? 
how do you know Jesus is true God and he's true man and they suffered and died and that he is our way to heaven and who wrote this word of the New Testament? The apostles. the apostles, which are the exact ones. They got to the point, and he kept telling them, in that day, you won't have to. You'll, not, you'll get it. On Monday, Thursday, do they get it? No. They don't get it at that point. Um, trust me in this is kind of what he's saying to them. Uh, it's for your benefit. And, and right now, I have to say, speak to you in this kind of figurative language. Later on, you can fill in all the blanks, you can, ex I'll explain, here's what's going on. And so they will, they will get it. But in that day, and we live in that day right now, does Jesus want us to pray? Yes. You bet. He says, in that day, ask. Why would we ask for stuff? Because we don't know what we need. Because, well, first of all, we don't, do we need? He says, I'm giving you food and drink. Ask me for it. The very thing, you know. And so I need forgiveness. I need these things. And yet, he's the one who's providing. He's the one who's the loving God. Um, and so he wants us to ask. And when you ask, you need to know you will receive. How do I know I'll receive? Maybe God's having a bad day. No, I ain't giving you anything today. You think that's what God's going to say? I don't think so. Why does God answer our prayers? Because he loves us. The Father loves us. Right. And he says, and you have loved me. Does the Father love his Son? He calls him what? The beloved Son from heaven. This is my beloved Son. We love the Father. We love Christ. It is because of, and he says, when you pray, pray in Jesus' name. Why? Ooh, then I'm going to tell you. Because in, if we pray because of Jesus, God says, I will answer that prayer. That is with faith in Jesus. I'm trying to, do we come before God and say, God, I've been really good. You ought to give me this. No, don't say that. We come before God and say, God, I believe in your son. And then he says, what do you want? Because I love my son. And if you're trusting in my son... I will provide, I will give to you. Now, we always pray based upon the word of God. Exactly. We ask God for the things that he wants. Obviously, if you're not going to ask for something that would be offensive to God or is not according to his word. But we ask according to God's word for those things which he has given. In fact, at times it even says that we ask for the, uh, uh, the desires of our heart. Um, sometimes uh, uh, we ask the Lord for, for something that would be a very good thing. You might say the strengthening of our faith, um, and, and he provides it. But he always does it in his time uh, and in his way. But he does it because of Jesus. In fact, the scriptures even go as far as to say that not only do we ask in Jesus' name that the Father gives out, you will receive in Jesus' name. It's through Jesus that that the blessings come, and it's through Jesus that we come to the Father knowing that he will hear. Um, and so you think, oh, well, maybe I should just ask God. I don't want to ask him for a whole plate of food. I'll just ask him for an apple. We say, no, 
What do I deserve? Oh, I don't deserve anything. But in Jesus' name, he says, ask for the banquet. And I will give to you. And you will receive. And so he's giving out. He wants us to know that the Father loves Jesus, and Jesus loves us, and we love Jesus. And so then we are to ask in his name that it will be given. He talks about some gifts that we get. Ask, and you will receive. And what did it say? You will receive that your joy may be full. Your joy. At the end, it talks about another gift. Uh, that you will, uh, uh, I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Let's talk about the joy and the peace that God is giving. What about this joy? What about this joy that God gives believers in Jesus? What kind of joy is this? What kind of joy, do you know? What kind of happiness? Happiness over what? Huh? Yeah. It's the joy of knowing that there's nothing that you need that you don't have and nothing that you need fear of. Yes. If, if, if Christ has already been punished, there's no punishment for me. I, all I have is, is the love that's coming from God. Uh, and I know he's providing. Um, that anger has already been turned away. Yes. To so have the joy of knowing that, that the Lord has taken care of those things. When Jesus came to the apostles on Easter Sunday night, and he said, peace be with you. And it said, and the apostles were glad. They had joy. They had joy. What does peace? What is that? Is it quietness? No war? This is even more than that. This is a peace with God. What's a peace with God? Yeah, God's not angry. God's loving. He's restored peace. He's happy over us because of Jesus. Um, yeah, and where there's peace, that gives me joy. The peace and the joy then go together. Yeah. Where there is peace and joy, which is what God creates through his word uh, and what Christ has done, um, there's, there's another thing. Uh, Jesus is going away. Um, Easter, we light our Paschal candle. Actually, it starts down here as a reminder of our baptism. We put it up there for 40 days. After 40 days on Ascension Day, we put it out. We put it back down here. We light it whenever there is a baptism or there is a uh, death, and we have the uh, funeral service here. So it's a reminder of the robe of Christ that we've been given in our baptism that we're children of God. But the idea is that for 40 days, he revealed himself, showed himself to them, and then after that, he has promised to be not bodily where we see him, but he, he will be with us in a way in which he is with us in the word and the sacraments. And so we'll be. Well, Jesus is going away. He is not going to be camping out with the twelve after his resurrection. And he is going away. What does he say is they're going to experience when he goes away? These things I have spoken to you that you may have peace. In the world... 
you will have tribulation. What's he letting them know? When I go away, their anger was directed at me, but now it's going to be directed at you. They're going to be martyred for the faith. The church is going to get it. This is the way it is going to be. He's telling them ahead of time, and yet he's telling them, you're going to have peace and joy, and yet you're going to suffer for your faith. People will make fun of you. People will restrict you. People will, you know, whatever it might be, he says, in this world you will have tribulation. You'll have trouble. You'll have affliction. You'll have all this. But know this. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The world can't harm us. Uh, Can't take away our salvation. Can't take away God's love for us. Can't take away our life, which will do any good. The Lord will give us a new life. Um, This is what the Lord is, is doing. And so he is comforting them with that. In that day, it's going to be. We live in that day of having peace and joy in Jesus. We live in the day in which we're going to experience tribulation. We live in the day in which we're going to pray asking God for the stuff that he has told us we need, for example, as in the Lord's Prayer. And yet, it is a God who is providing, uh, if we're trusting in him, he's providing all that we need. All right, in our prayers, what do we need to do? Um, All right, we're going to get ready to pray. What do you do? What's this? Why do you do that? Fold your hands. Can you pray with your hands not folded? Do you have to pray like this, or do you pray like this? And do you put the right thumb over the other left thumb? So. <laughs> what now? All right, so I'll make sure to give you the right words, the right stuff. I'll give you the right stuff, right? So here's your prayer. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, I give you thanks. I give thanks to you, Almighty God, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have. And so we, we'll, we'll go through the right words. They're good words. They're Luther's words. We have Luther's prayer. Is that prayer? What did you say? If you don't what mean it? Oh, if you don't say amen. <laughs> okay, amen. Does that do it? Huh? Then it's prayer. Kind of. Yeah. But what if you didn't mean the word you just said? You know. One of these times, I'm going to say the prayer, and you're all going to say amen, and then I'm going to have you write down what you just asked for. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm afraid that I'm praying, and you're not. Could that be possible? No. Good. You mean you think some of us might be sinners? <laughs> Could be. In fact, you might be surprised. Sometimes I'm saying the words and I'm trying to think of something else. How that happens, I don't know, but it does. Um, So what is prayer? It's not just saying words that end with amen, and it's not having your head bowed or your hands folded or having whatever. It's talking to God. 
It's talking to God. Um, and I'm going to be even more specific. God, it's a nice day today. It's about 80 degrees, and I'm having a good time down here. That's talking to God. Is that prayer? Aha! You ask him for stuff. Exactly. If you come to give God stuff, is that prayer? If you come to tell him how good you are? Right. Prayer is asking. Why do we ask? Because he is the Lord, and we are the one who rely upon him for all the good things that he has given. Not only has he commanded us to pray, he has always, always promised to give us things. Why does he do it? Because we pray with faith in Jesus, trusting in Jesus Christ. We may use the words in Jesus' name or we may not, but we always do it because of belief that Jesus has forgiven us our sins and therefore we can come before him. Prayers this evening. What should we ask God for, thank him for, praise him for, confess? Liam? Help us that we can pray right. Confess, you know what, we don't always pray right. Okay, very good. Mark? Thank him that it's God that hears our prayers. Thank him for being, we're going to praise him because he is a God who hears our prayers. Wow. Um, little me. And yet the creator hears my prayers and answers. So that we know the apostles knew, and so now we know, and he's revealed this to us. Yes. Ask him for mercy um, as we fall short in many of these areas. Your blue sheet, please stand. Holy God, holy and most gracious Father. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. <coughs> Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness, answer me, and in your righteousness. Do not enter into judgment with your servants, for in your sight no one living is righteous. I remember the days of old, I meditate on all your works, I muse on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you, my soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning. For in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk. For I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good, lead me in the land of uprightness. Remind me, O Lord, for your name's sake, for your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. be with you. Let us pray. O God, our Father, from whom all good things do come, grant to us, your humble servants, that by your holy inspiration we may think those things that be right, and by your merciful guiding may perform them. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever, Heavenly Father, we ask that you would have mercy upon us, for we have fallen short, especially in our prayers, and we ask that you would help us, that we might ask you for things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you also for revealing to us your name and all that you have done for us, that we might have that assurance. We ask it all through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
the final petition. O most loving Father, who will us to give thanks for all things and to dread nothing but the loss of thee and to cast all our care upon thee who cares for us, preserve us from faithless fears and worldly anxieties and grant that no clouds of this mortal life may hide from us the light of that love which is immortal and which thou have manifested unto us in thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life.